still no breaking news on the Swedish Jewel Heist or laminated Llama Larry. I'm just, I've lost all faith in law enforcement at this point. I've lost all faith in law enforcement. I'm hoping I scour the internet every day for updates to these stories. Alas, I mean, what, what, what gets to me, it's not the, it's not the mm, failure of law enforcement to actually track down and prosecute these individuals. It's the lack of curiosity on the journalist's part. Like, if I were in Sweden or if I were in West Virginia, I'd have a daily update on the story. I'd want, I'd be talking to talking to the people, right? I'd be putting it all together. I'd be connecting the yarn. On oh, you'd, my be, wall. you'd be the yarn guy, like in the murder <laughs> the mystery, conspiracy theory person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I. It just makes me think that these are commonplace occurrences in these places, right? Like, oh, we got another llama in the mail situation, Frank. Oh, put it with the others. And there's like a big stack of them on the to-dos list of like the police chief's desk. And then like in Sweden, they're like, oh, some, some jewels got stolen. It's like, oh, which jewels? The royal jewels. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it's, what is it, Tuesday again? <laughs> yeah, so I guess, okay, West Virginia is probably a pretty weird place. This maybe doesn't even like register on their weird scale, right? It's like it's like a one in West Virginia, and when you have super old European countries, there's so many like royal jewels that, yeah, maybe if a few go missing, it actually lightens your burden a little bit. You're like, oh, good, we don't have to pay the security guard who wasn't doing his job anyways. Okay, I feel I'm feeling a little bit better about this, um, but in some actual strange news, David, and some actual government like authorities who were doing their job. Um, so authorities in Scotland said they rescued a man who fled up a cliff to escape a large colony of seals. Like, oh, oh, seals. Not like the guy who sang Kiss from a Rose? Nope. Dope song, by the way. I heard that today in my classroom. I was playing it while students were uh, studying. Okay. Nice and quiet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good song. It takes me back. So you were listening to Seal while your students were studying. No, no, no. I wasn't listening to Seal. Keep up. Ah. Seal was playing over the speakers in my classroom while they were studying, and I was doing other stuff. Who know? was playing it? Like, Seal was singing. I'm confused. Why was there music playing over the speakers in your classroom? Because I was playing it from my computer. <laughs> okay. I don't understand why that's <laughs> what's confusing here. Yeah, okay, all right. So <laughs> this man fled up a cliffside. Uh, when the seals became aggressive towards him. So he had, he had stumbled across a, a, a colony, I think that's what you call them, a colony of 50 gray seals and their pups. Uh, this is in uh, Greenstain near Eyemouth in Scotland. Sorry, say, PS, say those names again? P, yeah, Greenstain near Eyemouth in Scotland. Scotland apparently has the best names for, for locations. Eye mouth, not really sure what that's supposed to describe. I guess uh, eyes are close to mouths. I'm not sure, sure what an eye mouth is. I'm sure there's an old English Germanic rune of like an eye in a mouth, and it means something super cool in their mythology, but for us it's just eye mouth, you know? Yeah. And uh, so when the, when the guy started, he saw the seals, he approached them, and they got aggressive probably because they were, they were pups, and uh, they started chasing him. And so he's walking, he's, he's on the, the coast, right? There's not much, nowhere to go. He can't go in the water. And I guess he thought the best place of retreat was up this cliff. So he started climbing this cliff and he got stuck there because the seals were uh, barking at him and waiting for him to drop so they could 
do whatever seals do. I've never heard of a seal attack, so I don't really know what a seal would do to you. I don't think they'd eat you. Just kind of flipper you until you passed they'd, out? They'd flipper you to death. You just kind of pass out. Yeah, you just got to play dead, right? But I think he's really smart. You go into the water, that's their natural habitat. They will destroy you in the water. Oh, yeah. You know what they can't do, though? They can't climb. They don't have any hands. They don't have any feet, right? They just have those flippers. They can't climb anywhere. This guy's smart. Yeah, so he made it like three quarters of the way up the cliff and uh, decided to call for help. So he got out a cell phone, called for help, and, and the, the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency of Scotland came and rescued him. So, I, I think the moral of this story uh, is, and I'm always and I'm always getting guff, yes, guff, at home uh, for constantly having my cell phone charged, like plugged in. It can it, if it's at ninety five percent, that's like warning, danger, Will Robinson. Plug in your cell phone. There's a timely reference. Um, and so, this guy probably went to the beach with a full charge. Right, because that he had that charge in his cell phone, he was able to call for help when the seals attacked. So, moral of the story: having your cell phone charged is a good thing. Okay, honey, it's not a weird paranoia thing. You never know when you'll find yourself hanging on a cliffside while seals are waiting to flip you to death. Anthony, you're barking up the wrong cliff. Oh. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only sports podcast in the known universe with a couple of guys talking about sports and uh, 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 seals attacking guys and scaring them up cliffs. I'm David Henderson. This is Anthony Montague. Hey. Follow us at Subcorrect on Twitter. Follow Anthony at AG Montague on Twitter and follow me at DP Henderson 1515 on Twitter. You can send us an email. We're still waiting for our first one. An email from our fan would be dope. Any email will do. Yeah, just a blank email with no subject. We're okay with that. Just anything to know that someone's actually listening. Is anyone out there? Yeah, for real. So, a dude on a cliffside can get like the Scotland Coast Guard to come rescue him. We should be able to have one listener just like say, "Hey, what's up? Uh, don't really like it, but I thought I'd respond." Like I'd be okay with a new phone. Who dis? And an email. <laughs> like I'd be okay with that even. Anyway. Today's show, very excited. We're going to uh, cover some MLB stuff. We're going to cover some football stuff. We're going to cover some basketball stuff. We were off last week because you were in uh, you were in Nevada at your yep. sister's wedding. That must, uh, I bet that looked, that looked a lot of fun. It looked like you guys had a good time. And I'm super jealous that uh, my sister and your wife right now is hanging out with my mom and dad in their pool in Vegas. I'm jealous. Yeah, swimming in November. Not that it's really swim weather, but I think they can heat the pool. Right, so... It was awesome. It was fun to be uh, fun to be home in Nevada, and uh, yep, sister got married. Congrats, Carly. Congrats, Chris. Um, may you have a long, happy life together. Remember the marriage advice I gave you, uh, and you should have a very successful, happy life. I don't think you gave me marriage advice when I got married. So, what I really want to talk about today. Oh, hey, David. Uh, and what everyone came here for, <laughs> election coverage 2018. Your source for election coverage. Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast with Anthony Montague. Unfair and biased. <laughs>
Imbalanced. Yeah, imbalanced. <laughs> oh, that works on a couple levels because we're also, we are also emotionally imbalanced. Yes. Is that what you're going for at first? Yes. Did I ruin it by explaining it? Yes. Okay, so carry on with what you're doing. Your show is better than my show right now. No, I, I have no election analysis, but today is election day nationwide. So um, if you're listening to this now, you know all the results. And if you voted, good job. And if you did it, it probably wasn't statistically re- relevant anyway. So meh. Way, way, to, <laughs> way, to be, way to perform your civic duty to encourage others to perform theirs. That's yeah. good work by you. Good yeah. job. Uh, but... We're, we're in Texas, and there's a um, hotly contested Senate seat, uh, Ted Cruz's Senate seat. Oh, what? What? I, just, I think I know what's coming, and I don't know whether to be excited or afraid, no. but go ahead. Go and ahead. and uh, he's being challenged by Beto O'Rourke. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to really give my opinion on politics here, um, but it's, it's hard to, to do much these days in Texas without someone asking, you know, what are your thoughts on this election? Who do you think you're going to vote for? And, um, and so I've had to come up with, with a few ways to, to respond to that question. And, um, and so here are some of my go-tos. Um, well, I Beto go vote for Cruz. I'm, I'm cruising to the polling station. Are there any Beto options? I don't know. It's either going to be Cruz or this other guy. Anyone Beto? Beto or not. <laughs> Here I come. No, that doesn't work. I don't know. But all I'm saying is I don't care who you vote for. And um, and apparently you don't care if they vote at all. And I don't care. Yeah, I don't really care if you vote. If, if any of these races come down to one vote, shame on you <laughs> for not voting. But they won't. So I'm sure that's why the audience came to hear that rant. Yeah, you can stop listening now. We're probably just going to talk sports and other things. Right. Speaking of sports, so the World Series is like two weeks ago. So we what? shouldn't. There talk- was a baseball season. Yeah. So we shouldn't oh. talk too much about that because I know everyone's already heard everything about it. All I want to say is Max Muncy going oppo boppo to win a game in the bottom of the 18th inning. That was super fun. Did you stay? You stayed up for the whole thing, right? Well, okay, so I had a weird World Series experience. We were traveling uh, from Texas to Nevada in a car with four kids um, during games three, four, and five. And so I listened, I, I consumed those games via radio, which like transported me back to the 1920s. And uh, it was cool. It was actually a cool experience to listen to the game, to experience it that way. Um, but yeah, I did, I, I fell asleep actually in the 16th inning. Um, we had just like gotten to our hotel and it was at that point, I think one in the morning. That was late. It was like one or two in the morning. Yeah. And, um, I woke up, luckily, uh, I woke up like an hour later and it was the bottom of the 18th. So I turned it on and I got to see the, the end of the game and it's, uh, you know, the series didn't go the way I wanted it to as a Dodger fan, but that was a great moment, and that'll go down in Dodger history as, as one of the, the greatest moments that the, the teams had. Um, that didn't game, mean anything in the long run, but anyway. No, but still, it was it was a really cool moment. Yes, it was, and that gorgeous swing. Ugh. Uh, but the, 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 ma- the, the game that made the series for me or that determined the series for me was Game 4. Um, Again, we're not going to overanalyze this, but they had a pitcher who was dominating. Dodgers were up, what was it, 4 or 4 nothing 
at the time. It was either four nothing or four one. I don't remember. Something like yeah. I mean, I I think it was four nothing. I think he like Rich Hill had had not allowed maybe one or two base runners to that point. He walked the first batter he saw, got the next one out. It, it was basically the best performance a starting pitcher for the Dodgers had had all postseason. Yeah, and uh, and he got pulled in the seventh inning. And as soon as he was pulled, the Dodgers then gave up nine runs over the next uh, inning and a half. Ryan Madsen, don't go out to eat in L.A. anytime soon. He had a perfect World Series record if the record you're looking for is allowing all your inherited base runners to score. That's right. He he inherited seven runners in the World Series, and all seven of them scored. Mm. That's not stellar. So, um, yeah, the, the Red Sox won in five. They were the better team. They were the best team in baseball from start to finish. They deserve to win. Um, Dodgers, you know, hopefully they get back next year, and hopefully it's a different result for them. Um, but looking to the, towards this offseason, there's a few uh, things we want to pay attention to. Where does Manny Machado go? I liked him as a Dodger, but some of his some of the the lack of energy or hustle and some of the character she's kind of got to me uh, a little bit. And I wouldn't I wouldn't be too upset if he didn't come back, especially since Corey Seager, their their everyday shortstop, will be coming back next year. Um, but we'll see where he ends up. But if you if Manny Machado exhibited the exact same behaviors and they won the World Series, you'd be singing a very different tune about him and his attitude, uh, his behaviors. Well, I, I think I could be a, I could be objective enough to say I didn't like it, right? And I'm and if they brought him back, I'd cheer for him. I'm just saying, given that Corey Seager's coming back, who I like more than Machado, not necessarily as a player, but as a, as a person, and he's a really good player, only going to get better. I don't think there's a huge drop off from Machado to Seager, at least a healthy Seager. Um, if they brought him back, great. I think they have other needs that are more important than a shortstop. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, all I'm saying is it rubbed me the wrong way. Some of those things, right? And I think, I think a lot of fan bases can see past a lot of what most fan bases would consider annoying behavior, as long as that person is winning. You can be the biggest jerk in the world to the fans, to anybody, but you get that ring. And that's all these fan bases care about, you know? Yeah, like, winning does cure most things. No, it cures everything, man. It really does. Like LeBron, they burned his jersey when he goes to Miami. He comes back, he yeah. wins a championship, yeah. and then they celebrate him when he leaves. But all the bad things, the, the quote-unquote bad things about LeBron were pretty much fake to begin with. I like, like, there were no character issues with LeBron, right? Yeah. It was just like, oh, he hasn't won the big one yet. He hasn't come through in the clutch, even though that's really not that true, right? He, he was... He's been making clutch shots his whole career. But I think when you have certain character issues, uh, I don't know that winning solves that. I don't know if it gets you past that. I'm, I don't know. Well, I th- I'm trying to think of examples right now of guys who are just absolute jerks that the fan base has loved. And I know this isn't a popular opinion, but I've heard through stories being told and firsthand accounts and things like that, that Michael Jordan was kind of a jerk a lot, you know? And... People still praise him and love him, even though he was a jerk. Why? Because he's, well, quote, a winner. Well, okay, so Kobe Bryant, right? I mean, he's hated by most of the league. And even there are there is a segment of Laker fans that don't like Kobe. And he, you know, Shaq was obviously the major component of the first three championships, although he was, I mean, just right there with him. And then the second two championships of his, his career, 
he was the major factor. Um, but it, I don't, you know, it didn't bring those fans around. It didn't, and a lot of the times it was based on one his style of play, but also the uh, the the rape allegations in in Colorado, right? So a lot of Co- a lot of Kobe fans never really got over that. So I don't, I'm not. I, I think 95% of the time, yes, winning solves most problems. But so I'm 95% right, and you're 5% right. No. I'm 100% right. You're 95% right. You're actually 0% right. You're 100% wrong. I don't think the math checks out on this. But I mean, you can even look at more more modern examples in baseball and things like that. People don't care about what's going on off the field as long as they can get your team a W. You know what I mean? Mm. Like the Astros signing. I'm forgetting the guy's name because I, I don't think I want to think about him. But they signed that uh, closing pitcher, the, the yeah. lead pitcher. Mm-hmm. And we stopped hearing about that as long as he was winning games for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just. I don't. I think we're gonna disagree on this one, because like even like Aroldis Chapman, right? The, I think I brought this up before. The Dodgers had an opportunity to sign him, and there were allegations of domestic violence. I'm glad they didn't sign him, right? Um, even though he went on to win a championship with with the Cubs. Like I don't know. I don't know, David. I just don't know. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced that winning solves everything. Especially these. I think it's mostly just these character issues that I have a problem with. And that's uh, yeah. Well, I think I think most fan bases will look past whatever character issues as long as they're getting wins. Honestly, but I think I think Machado wherever he goes, they'll look at that World Series performance with a question mark because he did not perform well. It wasn't just his attitude, but his play wasn't good either. Yeah, right? he had I mean, some good games, but he wasn't consistent. Exactly, and you want your best players to be consistent in the big moments, right? Especially in baseball. In baseball, you need your best players to be consistent, and you need a few middle of the road or even some of your bad players to step up, right? And guys that most of us haven't really heard of much of, those that don't really follow baseball and follow the uh, Red Sox very closely, a lot of names that we didn't really know for sure made big impacts in the World Series, and that's what you need. And the Red that's Sox. That's how it always happens, right? Yeah. You always have, you have a David Freeze who comes out of nowhere and wins you a series, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so Machado, he's he's one of the two big names this offseason. See where he ends up. I think the you know the early money was on the Yankees, although there have been reports lately that maybe they're not that interested. They're and not interested in Harper either, according to reports. Yeah. So Harper, Bryce Harper, is the the other big name. Um, and, and I think that makes sense. It never made a whole, I mean, he could end up there and I could look silly, but it never made that much sense to me why they would go after him be, just because they have Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton already in the corners. And they've got, uh, was it Hicks in center field? Who's a great defensive center fielder. Yeah. Yeah. And the defense would drop off somewhat dramatically putting Harper in center field or any of those three in center field. Right. And it looks like if they, the thought was. I think going into that pursuing Harper was maybe he could DH, maybe one of the other guys could DH. And then, I mean, because the American League can do that. And then also, you don't need as much defense, it seems like, in today's MLB because so many players are striking out. Well, defense is important, and we saw that in the World Series. A couple of defensive plays by outfielders really turned the uh, the games in big ways. But you don't need as many good defensive outfielders in... The American League, especially because it's either it's a strikeout home run league now, so worry more, they're worrying more about the bats than they are the gloves right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where he ends up. Um, you're seeing the Phillies as potential 
Um, the Dodgers even popped up today as, as a potential landing spot. That would be interesting. Not sure where, because he'd have to play defense there. So maybe they put him in left field. Puig kind of owns right field for them. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, well, there's not a whole lot of uh, big names this this postseason. You have a few uh, relievers, Kimbrel for the Red Sox. You have Ivaldi uh, for the Red Sox, who just throws 108 miles an hour for. 30 innings. Yeah. That guy's and, crazy. And does it again three days later. Right? That guy's a, he's a machine. And that's the thing. Like, another one of those names that I yeah. wasn't aware of. And then he does that in the World Series. Well, that's the thing. Like, what? He had, like, no track record. And then has this amazing performance in the postseason. He's going to get paid. And he's going to get paid because of that. And you have the opposite of Kershaw, right? Who had um a bad uh, a bad postseason he had a couple of decent games one really good game against the braves but otherwise um didn't didn't fare well and especially in the world series didn't fare well um but because of his track record he's getting rewarded the dodgers extended him another year so he'll be a dodger for at least the next three years no opt-outs if nothing else i think he helps you get back to the postseason and if he's your second or third starter there that's not a bad option. No, absolutely not. And the the Dodgers' young guy, Bueller, yep. that guy is amazing. He throws 95, 95 to 100. At, that's like his cruising altitude. You know what I mean? Like that's He yep. can pitch that as a starting pitcher. Yeah, he as can hit he 98, 99 at 100 pitches. Yeah, and that's that's crazy. And you worry about the health of that arm. Yeah, well, he had... He, I, I he, think he had I, Tommy John. I think I'm right. Yeah, he had Tommy John. Um, so we'll see. I, he, he, what I love about him is he doesn't he doesn't um, whittle whittle wilt wilt <laughs> maybe he whittles I don't know <laughs> I haven't asked him we'll find out we'll check it for later in the show dude does does Bueller whittle but he doesn't wilt in the big moment right uh, so I as a Dodger fan I'm super excited for next season we'll see what happens there's I don't know how uh, how exciting this offseason will be. I don't think nothing compares to the NBA offseason. No. So that's like the standard. That's like the gold standard of what your offseason should be. And no one's going to come even close to that. We're not going to even pay attention to baseball offseason. We're just not. In fact, the NBA offseason uh, so far has been so much more exciting than the NBA regular season. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's been some interesting stuff. We can get into that later. Okay. David, can you believe it? We are nine weeks into the NFL season. It's nine sixteenths over. Seventeenths. There's a bye week in there. Nine seventeenths over. Greater than 50%. Yes. So I, I'm very conflicted right now, Anthony. I uh, About what? What I'm, are you conflicted I'm, about? I'm. Can I tell you? Oh, sure. Okay. So... I hope it's not really big news in your life or anything. Yeah, because that would make you look like a real jerk right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're getting a puppy. He has three legs. What are you conflicted about with this? Okay, person? okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, as we all know, Aaron Rodgers owns a lot of real estate in my sports heart. The same way Joel Embiid owns a lot of real estate in Andre Drummond's head. He has a summer home there. He's building a second home there, so it's like a summer home and a second home there. So it's like he has two homes right now. I think his main home, though, is just in, in Philadelphia still. But he has a summer home, and he has a second home in Andre Drummond's head. Seems opulent. Well, I mean, you're Joel Embiid. Yeah. Do what you want with that money, man. But 
Aaron Rodgers owns a lot of real estate in my sports heart. But I'm very conflicted because there's a new kid in town. And he is young. He is talented. And he is the best quarterback the 49ers have ever had. Nick Mullins. Oh. Nick Mullins. What about Jimmy G? Jimmy Garoppolo? Get out of here with Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm. Everything everything we were told about Jimmy Garoppolo is a lie. Jimmy Carapolo. Carapolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Carapolo. There it goes. Jimmy Carapolo. I'm all about Nick Mullins. Sorry, children. Kids listen? I don't know. My kids don't listen. Mine don't either. Okay. I think we're good because that's the only kids I really know. Besides our nieces and nephews. Do they listen? Uh, don't care. Jimmy Carapolo. Okay, Nick Mullins is my new man. What was, what was that? Nick Mullins. Okay, he has a passer rating of 151.9. He had one of, if not the best debut as a 49ers quarterback ever. Such quarterbacks that include guys like Blathard, okay. Jeff Garcia, oh. and an assortment of other quarterbacks. Sure. But Nick Mullins is the man in, in San Nick Francisco now? right now. Nick Mullins. Oh. He is the man in San Francisco right now. 262 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. So I watched that game on Thursday because they're the only football game on and they're my favorite team. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch them lose, I guess. And then they stuck it to Chucky. John Gruden didn't know what to do with Nick Mullins. Had no answer for him. It was a wonderful game to watch. He didn't pull out the uh, split banana ZYX Levi jeans with my hoodie on. Tell you what, man. a rap song. Tell you what, man. That Nick Mullins, man. He sure knows how to throw that X2 Spider Y banana, man. Ah, I could have done that better. Don't care. <laughs> Nick Mullins is the man. And so I was super excited about that. Now, I know what you're saying out there, listeners. Uh, I know what you're saying. First of all, who is Nick Mullins? Yeah. Don't worry. You'll get to know him. He's about to be a star. Apparently, he's the greatest 49ers quarterback of all time. Yes. Well established. Okay. I, I read some stats. I gave you my opinion, which is worth a lot in the sports community, especially when we're talking 49ers quarterbacks. Because, you know, I mentioned... Did I mention all the quarterbacks? Blathered. I, I, yeah, I mentioned Blathered. I mentioned Blathered. Jeff Garcia. I, men, I mentioned Jimmy Carapolo, right? I mentioned all these famous 49ers quarterbacks. Kaepernick? Yeah, of course, Kaepernick, right? So... Alex I, Smith? I guess. Whatever. But I, I'm sure there's some other 49ers quarterbacks we could talk about maybe later. That I don't I don't think there are any other special ones out there. But anyway, uh, Nick Mullins is the man, and I'm so excited for him, man. So no, excited. Yeah. Of course, I don't know why Jimmy Garoppolo... Sorry. I mispronounced his name. I don't know why Jimmy Carapolo couldn't do the same kind of things he was doing in uh, in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Because he don't tore his ACL. No, no. But even before that, even oh. before that, he won. He or was it Achilles? He tore something. Mm. And good riddance, Jimmy Carapolo. broke. You may be handsome, but if you can't be successful in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you cannot play football Your in the NFL. Your good looks do nothing for us from the bench. That's right. I mean, look at the people that... Kyle Shanahan has around him, and they look at the offense that they have, there's not much going on there except for Nick Mullins and Kyle Shanahan. Nick what now? Nick Mullins. Oh. And so it just surprises me that Jimmy Garoppolo is supposed to be the savior of the 49ers franchise. He's supposed to come in and do all these great things with Kyle Shanahan, and he doesn't do much, and then he gets injured, and then Nick Mullins comes in and saves the day. Okay. Well, like it, okay. We've now spent five minutes on Nick... What was the last name? Mullins. So Nick. I think I only have five minutes left. Give okay. me a few. Okay, I'm just getting started. Okay. No, no, but but in, in all seriousness, it was fun to see a 49ers team that looked competent. Now, I know they were playing the Raiders, who were in full tank mode. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think they're in full trust the process mode. Right? They're in full tank mode, but whatever. I'm so excited about a 49ers team with a good quarterback. All right, I would I would just say, after all that, 
temper simbadana all right temper those expectations um, i will not I, all right i don't <laughs> okay i don't want you to i just i just i'm i'm concerned about your well-being for when nick mm, what was it mullins nick yeah. mullins when he um when he goes up in flames okay as Like a phoenix rising from the ashes of the 49ers franchise to the glory of an NFL champion? I agree. I'll watch out for those fire and flames when they come. Okay. Well, speaking of some other decent quarterbacks, uh, we had some some really good quarterback matchups this week in the NFL. NFL Week 9 of 17. That's just over halfway through, right? That's almost halfway. Uh, Packers Patriots Brady and Rogers met for what like the second time ever I think I saw that it was either the first or second time yeah Yeah, I think it was the second time they had ever met and um, it was really interesting to see two quarterbacks who are you know two of the best in the game um, but two very different teams right that's the truth man so I get I get frustrated watching the Packers because, like I said, Aaron Rodgers owns a little less real estate in my heart now that Nick Mullins is around. Mullen Island is <laughs> occupying some space in your heart. Mullen Mullen Drive. What are you doing? Mullen Mountain Range. Okay, no, but <laughs> you know, it's frustrating to watch the Packers because they have a tight end playing running back, and then he gets traded because he fumbles when he shouldn't have taken the ball out of the end zone. Right? Any play that doesn't result in Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball or running with the ball is a bad play. Right, and so the only plays they call are plays where Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a choice to throw the ball or scramble. It's so frustrating to watch the Packers, and they're so basic in the days of the modern NFL where you have guys like Kyle Shanahan and guys like um, Sean McVay and guys like Andy Reid, who are designing wonderful plays for their quarterbacks and setting up their teams for success. You have this McCarthy uh, scrub who has one of, if not the best quarterback ever, talent-wise, and people have said this all over uh, NFL coverage for this last week. People have said it. Read it. It's true. Just that arm (laughs) talent is the best arm talent they've seen. Better than Brady. That's like consensus. Like arm talent better than Brady. Yeah, that arm talent's off the charts. You're not helping. So, but but he's just in a system and in a situation where he gets zero help from his coaching staff, from his yeah. GM, and from the other players around him. And it's really, I, I think it's really that simple, right? Because it's not like you don't look at the Patriots roster and think, wow, gangbusters, right? That's the 1927 Yankees murderer's row of talent there. It, there's really not. It's like guys you've probably never heard of who are making plays for the Patriots. And... They had a running back that came into the game. Well, sorry, a receiver that came in at running back because James White got hurt, and he had over 10 yards a carry. <laughs> Patriots. The NFL head coach is the most underrated coaching position in, in sports, even though Which, I, I think a lot of us realize that it's yeah. important, but I don't think we realize how important. And I think, I think that says a lot because I think a lot of us look at head football coach and we put a lot of emphasis on, on them and their role and their team's success or their failure. Unless you're Hugh Jackson, in which case you can go 1-15 over two years and keep your job. And then you can have the best season you've had in your tenure at the team. And then lose. But anyway, besides the point. But we, we ascribe a lot of success um, or failure to the, to the head coach, depending on what they do and what their team does. And then what you just said I think is true. We don't realize how important coaching is because we, we analyze the play on the field, but we don't think about the scheme and we don't think about the play calling. And we, don't, we just look at the performance on the field. But so much of it is 
putting your team in the best situation to win. Belichick does that. He just doesn't do the stupid thing. He does the smart thing by not doing the stupid thing, which seems like a lot of coaches in the NFL do now. They ignore statistics, they ignore analysis, and they just do what they do. It's like, uh, it frustrates me watching Remember the Titans when uh, Denzel Washington, the coach, he says, uh, Coach, you only run three plays. And he says, well, it's like good medicine. Give it time and it always works. Like, okay. Left side. Yes. Strong side. And it's like, okay. That may have worked in 1960s fake football, but Mike McCarthy, I think he ascribes to that same mentality. I don't know. I'm not a head football coach. All I know is when I watch the games, it seems like, wow, the Patriots are running pretty simple plays. Like, hey, this slot receiver, he's faster than the linebacker. Let's, like, throw it to him as he's running an out route, running away from the linebacker, and then he can get another, like, three or four yards after a five-yard catch, right? Yes, they, they expose matchups, and they expose the defensive scheme. They take what the defense gives them, and they take the best matchup. That's why a lot of the motions that you see are they either set up a mismatch or it's to set up um, uh, so that Brady can know what defense they're going to be running so that he can exploit it. So why don't other head coaches know not to call bad plays? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They obviously think they're doing something right. right? I mean, I don't think they they have like their list of here's our good plays and here are our bad plays and like flipping a coin. Right? <laughs> yeah, they, they have to believe in what they're doing. It's just amazing how often Belichick is right in his play calling. And I don't know if it's him calling the plays. No, he but, has an offensive coordinator that is really good. Okay. So, but, he's, but he's put together the staff, right, to yeah. do that. And, and so why is he correct so often why does he hire the right people so often and and these other coaches who have similar talent have much worse results their play calling looks horrible and they're underperforming right you would think if you have the quarterback with the greatest arm talent of all time according to everyone um you would look a little bit more dominant than you currently do i think a lot of it is just being willing to innovate being willing to change bill belichick has changed everything he's needed to to stay at the top and stay successful. As Tom Brady has aged, the offense has changed to accommodate his aging. As he's gotten smarter as a quarterback, but maybe more limited in his arm talent, he's changed the offense in order for that to work. It's because Belichick doesn't devote any time to thinking about anything else other than football. No have you, days ha- off. Have you looked at no his attire, off. his wardrobe? No di- yeah, it's he- like sleeves or no sleeves. <laughs> That's, That's the only all choice. he has to decide. My brain power must go to football. 99% of his brain is focused on football. The rest is do I speak do I do I utter a sentence with three or five words and sleeves or no sleeves. That's it. It's working out for him. Oh, uh now also, the Rams and the Saints played and it was amazing, and it was wonderful, and I feel like all football should be that. All football should be Rams, Saints all the time. Also, Saints at home are going to be really tough to beat. They can beat anybody as long as they're at home. I worry about them traveling a little bit, but Drew Brees is doing amazing things at 38. I feel like he's being overshadowed by, by Brady and Rodgers, but at 38, he's still slinging the pill around pretty good. It just goes to show how important a good quarterback is and how valuable they are. If you get a good quarterback, it doesn't matter if they're 38 years old. They're going to they're going to bring wins to your team. They're going to win football games for you. He's he's what he's like my he's like under six feet tall. He's not a big guy, but his ability to to hit receivers when they're open, right, yeah, and his, to, to get the ball there so quickly. I mean, he just flings it and it's there. His right? accuracy is crazy. Like if we watched football 15, 20 years ago and watched well maybe 25. 
years ago, watch them throw the ball around and be like, wow, they, they don't know what they're doing. It would look incompetent compared to the quarterbacks now. Yeah. And so when you get one of these good quarterbacks, you have to hang on to them, which is why it's so crazy that he was traded. Was he traded or was he signed? Either way, the, the Chargers let him go, right? And I know he, he had had an injury, right? So that factored into it. And they had just drafted uh, an awesome young quarterback by the name of, of Phil Rivers. Uh, but you, you call him Phil? I call him Phil. Okay. Uh, you're on a you're on a shortened first name basis with Philip Rivers, huh? Yeah. Sometimes I call what him number P- does he wear? Call him Doctor. <laughs> what what number does Phil Phil Rivers wear? Uh, I'm gonna go with seven. No, you're wrong. Uh, eleven. No. Mm. Now put those together. One hundred and seventeen. Okay, there it is. Okay, that's one of the greatest what if questions in NFL history. What if the Chargers keep Drew Brees? And either don't draft Phil Rivers, Dr. Phil Rivers, or... Uh, Dr. Phil played football at Tulsa. <laughs> Did in he really? college, yeah. Did he really? It was a linebacker, yeah. Oh, how about that? Just, just going to put that in your lap and walk how away. How about that? How about that, David? Remember that? Remember that? Anyone, anyone who's a true Dr. Phil fan knows what I'm saying right now. How about that? Catch me outside. All right. Uh... Make me lose my train of thought. Phil, yeah. So if 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 the Chargers keep Drew Brees, <laughs> David's happy because he got me off track. I was doing a toot toot train. Uh, if they if they keep Drew Brees, where where is the Chargers? The Chargers are probably still in San Diego. One, right? And and think about who the Chargers had in the mid two thousands: Ladanian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates, uh, that one quarterback who has like fourteen kids. Philip Rivers. <laughs> no, no, cornerback. Oh, that's a quarterback. He has a lot of kids too. <laughs> no, they had a stacked team back then. Yeah, I mean, there were um, there were a few years in a row where where they went, you know, a few rounds in the playoffs. One year where they almost made the Super Bowl, but New England, you know, because Belichick uh, and Brady, I guess to some extent, uh, ended up going. But it's uh, yeah, just one of those things to think about. And if Phil Rivers, <laughs> I did it again, Phil Rivers. If Phil Rivers ends up on a different team, how different is his situation? Because when, when he did have Tomlinson and Gates, um, you know, he was still fairly young, right? And so I don't know. I don't know if he's gotten better over time, but um, interesting to see how his career would have been different if he ended up in a better organization. And Philip Rivers is good. He's just not quite as consistent. But I think it goes back to the coaching thing. Like, who are, who are his coaches? It has to be all these. I think I think football really these days has four phases. Offense, defense, special teams, and quarterback. I think you can separate quarterback out from the rest of the offense like we've done in Green Bay because, as we've seen, Green Bay is a hot, stinking garbage mess except at the quarterback position. Stinky cheese. All right, the time of the show that I've come to really enjoy, it's Anthony's fantastic five headlines of the week anthony are you ready i'm ready david <laughs> this got weird <laughs> i don't know why we did it that way we didn't rehearse that we don't rehearse anything <laughs> no, no no okay okay i rehearse david's hot take minute in my head at least once before i do it i accidentally just touched your finger with my finger i'm sorry about that i didn't even notice mm. did it make you uncomfortable though it makes me uncomfortable you didn't notice why would that make you uncomfortable? It's making me more uncomfortable how much you're fascinated Three by Three rare turtles stolen from Danish Zoo. 
Europe is weird. Yeah, lots of weird things happen in Europe, and things that shouldn't be stolen are often stolen. Europe is like the Florida of the world. <laughs> Especially Northern Europe. Yeah. I think it's just so cold, some brain cells. Sorry, I have a lot of Swedish colleagues. You're all wonderful and super smart people, and I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm sensing a butt here. <laughs> but. I knew it. Maybe it's just too cold for people. <laughs> like, maybe people shouldn't live that far north. I don't know. Give it some thought. So these are like uh, super rare uh, Burmese star turtles. I don't know what that means, but apparently they haven't bred any in captivity for like five years. So uh, these things are dwindling. Um, so the, the greatest part of this story though, and it's like probably a very Danish thing, like a very Scandinavian, like non-confrontational type of thing. The zoo has said, uh, if the thieves voluntarily return the animals, they're not going to press charges. So it's like, it's like what you do. It's like how you, how you, uh, talk to a kid who's like on the ledge of a roof, like just come down. You won't be in trouble. Right. And, but no, they, they should do the exact opposite. Right. They should say, unless you return these turtles right now, you'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, public decapitation. I'm not saying they should do it. I'm just saying that's what they should say they're going to do. So they should fake threaten people to bring their turtles back. Obviously, asking them nicely to bring them back is not working. Headline number two. Meth found hidden inside canned foods at Texas airport. Okay, so we have a lot of drug smuggling headlines and stories we talk about. Um, this one, I'm not as impressed with, okay? Uh, meth smugglers, step up your game. Don't. I mean, I don't want more meth in the country. But if you're gonna do something, do it right, right? Like, like the guy if it's said, worth doing, right? Do it well if it's worth doing. Yeah. So is it like, was it meth that they tried to smuggle by faking Aztec artifacts last week or the week before? Yeah, I think so. Oh wow. Yeah. So so uh, the drug enforcement is 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 uh, going pretty well in the U.S. Uh, all these cockamamie schemes are not really panning out for our meth smugglers and uh so they tried to smuggle in some uh 60 like 66 pounds of meth in uh in tomato puree cans and what tipped off the uh the officials was that they noticed that they were imbalanced like the it was unbalanced weight not imbalanced unbalanced weight so like one side of the crate was heavier than the other side yeah and then they opened it and they noticed you know crystals so not your typical tomato puree. They tested it, found out it was meth. Headline number three, live boa constrictor found in bin of goodwill donations. In China, I'm guessing? Uh, you would be wrong. This was actually in your neck of the woods. This was in Fort Worth. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, it's a little closer to home than I'd like. Yeah, and you know, who among us has not accidentally donated our boa constrictor to goodwill? Right? I'm raising my hand right now. Oh, okay. Well, I love this quote though. This is from, um, from the assistant manager at Goodwill. Um, said, uh, I don't know if somebody may have dropped it off maliciously. Maybe they wanted to get rid of it and weren't quite sure how. <laughs> or maybe it just wanted to get warm. It was in a pile of clothing. So I think all of those are very plausible. Right, it's a uh, cold day, you're a snake, you're cold blooded. You see some clothing and you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
nestle, nestle myself in those clothes and get all nice mm -hmm. and cozy warm. I can see a boa constrictor saying that. Yeah, or if you have a boa constrictor and you don't want it anymore, maybe someone else does. So why not give it to Goodwill? Headline number four. Delta apologizes after passenger sits in dog poop. So we've covered animals, we've covered drugs, and now we're going into poop. Yeah, that covers every, yeah, that's, that's a very subjectively <laughs> correct sports lineup right there. That's our uh, Fantastic Five trifecta. Yes. I, uh. we, I feel like there should be some bell dinging right now. Like there should be some lights going off in the room. Like, all right, we did it. We got all three. All right. So poor, poor Matthew Meehan of Bay City, Michigan. Uh, was flying from Atlanta to Miami on Delta. Always Florida. <laughs> yeah, it always is Florida. On, on, except when it's Fort Worth and other places. Nah, just say always Florida. It sounds <laughs> always, better that way. Always Florida. Sounds better that way. So he was, he was on his flight, and um, he sat down, and he started to uh, get a whiff of something unpleasant, looked around and realized his seat was covered in dog feces, the seat in front of him was covered in dog feces, and the seat next to him was covered in dog feces. Um, and you know, if you were if you were in that situation, I think you'd be a little upset, right? Sure. Sitting in in in, in dog feces. I've never <laughs> sat in dog poop and been like, all right. <laughs> uh, but and all right, it's a mistake that could happen. I I guess, right? Like, all right, maybe you got a stuffy nose, and, and I'm talking about the flight crew here, right? Maybe you just don't realize there's dog poop on a seat. And maybe you got a stuffy nose, or it was like just a really hectic flight, and you just didn't didn't catch that seat. But here's here's the, like the worst part of the story is after they realized what had happened, and they apologized and were like, "Oh yeah, we had a sick dog on the flight." Gross, right? Uh, all they did was give him two paper towels and a bottle of gin. <laughs> it's like here you go. Sorry, here's our. I don't know if the gin was to clean or to like drink himself, <laughs> drink away his sorrows, and I don't know. This but, is all on the passenger. If you're in a public place, if you're in a shared location, like a shared bathroom, a park bench, uh, a chair at a restaurant, you look before you sit every time. This is on the passenger. Wow, that's a bold take. Yeah, yeah. find someone else in the sports landscape that has that take. Headline number five, entire island uh, disappears as government launches, oh, sorry, start over. Again, not how that works, by the way, Anthony. Headline number five, entire Japanese island disappears as government launches rescue mission. Okay, okay, um, okay, I, okay, I don't know. Japan is weird. Japan is like the Scandinavia of the world, of Asia. Wait a second. <laughs> so, so Scandinavia is the Florida of the world. Yeah. Okay. And Japan is the Scandinavia of Asia. Okay. Yeah. So the island... Uh, it's Scandinavia. A, so there's this... Sounds like a Disney kingdom. It's mm -hmm. like where Elsa is from. Mm. Or Giselle from uh, Enchanted. So this uninhabited... I let. If it's uninhabited, why do we care? Why is there oh. a rescue mission? No, because it was like the furthest island out and it was like the end of their territory. So if this island, no, there's like international maritime law here. If the island goes below the water, it's no longer an island. And so their, t their territory shrinks. And? 
and they want to control the waters there. Okay, so when they're going to rescue the island, do they all have like buckets of sand and they're trying to like pile it on top of the island to like raise it back up? Like, what is this rescue mission exactly? That would be, that would be uh, a better tact than um, buckets to like throw water away from because the Because it's island, the right? ocean. Yeah. If you throw it in the ocean, it goes back into the ocean. So it, it's unclear to me how they plan to uh, revive the island, but one of the reasons, okay, so the name of the island, let me just get this out because I practiced it for like 10 minutes. Esan Behanatkit Kojima. I added a couple of syllables there, but not many. Um, oh no, yeah, it checks out. You, <laughs> yeah, that's a long name for an island. Yeah. A little tiny island. Yeah, so it's like 500 met meters off the coast of Sarafutsu Village, which uh, happens to be near the northern tip of Hokkaido. And that's your geography lesson for the day. Uh, so Japan has a bunch of these uninhabited islands, like 158 of them, maybe 157 now. Um, and and their importance is that this is a, high, a highly and hotly contested part of the world for territory. China's like constantly trying to increase what which waters belong to them so they can have their naval ships and controlled passage routes and th shipping lanes, things like that. And so, if if Japan loses some of its territory, it's it's maybe a bigger deal than it seems. And so, I, primarily, I think they're just trying to figure out what happened to this island. First of all, like why it just disappeared all of a sudden. And then, uh, I guess they also want to make sure that if it is under the water, somehow we need to like mark where it is so that a ship doesn't like run into it accidentally. Empire of the Sinking Island. I don't think many people are gonna get that. That's okay. It'll feel like I'm at school. And that's the news. All of it. You just covered that's all the news. All the news. It only took us 12 minutes. And it was fantastic. Well, if you thought the NFL season was more than halfway over, you wouldn't believe how much over the college football season is. It's like almost over. David. Like, three weeks left. You can only get this analysis here on Subjectively Correct Sports. It's like super over. Yeah, it's so close to over. It's like really close to being all the way over and done. And then after that, they get like a four-week break, a five, well, it's like a two-month break, and then they play their bowl games. Yeah. Um, but really, the season was over before it began. Hey, you want to hear a joke? Ugh. So college, major college football teams take a long break so that their students can take semester finals. <laughs> yeah, semester finals. Can you imagine the finals for the Alabama football team in their classes? Oh, now, Jim Bob, find me Alabama on the map and you pass. Do you need some help? Yes, please. And that's like their French class. <laughs> okay. Uh... So yeah, like I was saying, the season was really over before it began. Alabama is just destroying everyone. They had so the college football rankings, the the the, the official rankings that determine the bowl games and and who gets into the college playoff, uh, college football playoff. Those came out last week, and Alabama was one, and LSU was three. And it was cool that they came out because Alabama and LSU were played this weekend. So you had the number one, number one against number three. And LSU was at home in one of the most, in one of the best home field advantages in sports, not just in college football, 
but one of the best home field advantages in all of sports, and Alabama rolls in there. And, uh, yeah, I think roll was the op- operative word because they won 29 nothing. And it didn't even look like they played that great of a game. Yeah. Tua actually did have to play. He didn't have to, but he did play in the fourth quarter, which is rare for him. But, uh, yeah, Alabama just looked awesome every facet of the game. And it's not like LSU looked that bad. It's just compared to Alabama, everyone looks bad. Yeah, yeah, they look so good. It, I know we say this every year. It looks like Alabama can just take the championship right now. But they're just as good as they were last year. And now they have the best quarterback in college football. Yeah, and... Yeah, Clemson looks good too. I mean, they put up like seventy-seven this weekend, but the they they didn't play LSU, right? I mean, Notre Dame still undefeated. Their only like super t- big test of this season so far has been Michigan, who they beat in the first week, and then Michigan's uh, probably going to be in num- uh, the fourth ranked team after this week. They're uh, they're eight and one. They have one big test left this season. It's uh, Ohio State. So. Those are your top four teams, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. If uh, if they win out, that's going to be your playoff. But I, I just don't see a scenario where Alabama loses. Yeah, either do I. But one thing's for sure, Ed Orgeron wins every press conference. He's undefeated in press conferences. Anthony, tell him more about that because I love this love this story. If you've never heard Ed Orgeron talk, it's, just, it's glorious and wonderful in every way. And uh, someone who needs a little help when he's talking are the people that do the closed captioning for the videos that he's in. So uh, Anthony's pulling those up right now, and it is one of, if not the funniest thing in football press conferences. Besides Mike Leach going on a like two-minute rant about the Colorado Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo. Did you hear that? Oh, he's he's in, he's in love with that Buffalo, man. Yeah, I mean, he was talking about it. Like, uh, and then you take a look at that. That's a small Buffalo. It's really funny. So Mike Leach press conferences are always a delight. In fact, one came up when we were looking at <laughs> a story about his press conferences came up when we were looking at these, uh, this Ed Orgeron story. And uh, it's just... These coaches are hilarious and they're funny. Like the guy from Oklahoma State, that coach, who went... Oh, Gundy? Yeah. Mike Gundy? Twice? Yeah. I could give a rat's bleep about Twitter. Same guy who said, I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, I told that to my... I said that to my uh, uh, students today. I said, I'm a man. I'm 30. And they just looked at me weird. And I was like, it's another one of those situations. Like, I'll this podcast where no one's going to get that but me. And that's okay. <laughs> All right. So, Ed Orgeron. Uh, I always want to say Oregon when I look at his name. But it's not. It's Orgeron. Fun fact. If you said Oregon, you'd be Orgeron. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, so, so when you watch when you watch uh, one of his press conferences, you really have to pay attention to get what he's saying. And for the most part, you can you can get like 85 percent of what he's saying, which is enough. You can fill in the rest with context. Yeah. Um, however, if you're artificial intelligence, um, you do not stand a chance. Uh, so. A Twitter user by the name of Bamamerl. Ooh, okay, whatever. Bama Earl. Oh, Bama Merle. Bama Merle, yeah, yeah. Bama Merle. Twitter at Bama Merle uh, posted some screenshots of the closed captioning from his TV during the Ed Orgeron press conference. And here are uh, a few of um, a few of the closed captioning struggles. Unless he actually did say this, there's really no way to tell. I listened to the press conference. He said none of these things. Okay, here he goes. Doing everything he can, Proteon in Libya. Old thing. Got to be Taliban. Allows crime, LL Barrel. Yeah, yeah, no missile on the Latanya guy. Is that they will? Money. Orchestral talk about retiring Earth. 
My favorite part is the one-word sentence, money. That's my favorite part. Uh, so if you if you get a chance, YouTube, Ed Orgeron press conference, really doesn't matter which press conference you watch. Anyone they're they're all do. gems. They're, they're all, all, yes. Yeah, and also Mike Leach. Uh, look at his most recent press conference. He goes on and on about a Buffalo. So these college coaches, they may not win on Saturday, but, but they're winning on Saturday afternoon. They play on Saturday afternoons a lot of the time. Okay, well, after the game. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the press conference. Okay, I'm with you now. Und- Ed Ordron is undefeated in the press conference. That's right. He's never lost. Spelled L-A-U-X-S-T. <laughs> All right, it's that time again. David, I'm not even going to sing this, okay? I'm not going to sing it. I'm telling myself I'm not going to do it. I can't help myself. It's David's hot take minute. That was my falsetto. Was it? Yeah. And go. Nick Mullins is the best QB the 49ers have ever had. Forget Jeff Garcia. Nick Mullins is the best 49ers quarterback of all time. Why am I pronouncing Nick Mullins' name as Nick Mullins? No L's for my quarterback. Only W's. Mo... Mowins. That's right. If you haven't seen an NBA player do the dribble move called the Sham God, go to YouTube right now. Stop listening to me. You have a pause function. Use the pause function and come back after watching this dribble move. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Giannis Antetokounmpo is dunking on everybody. I'm pretty sure he's dunked on Anthony and me a couple of times. And yes, in this case, because the he represents Giannis, and he is the subject of that sentence. It needs to be Anthony and me, not Anthony and I. Okay? And being an English teacher at social events is exhausting. I don't correct people's grammar. I don't. I rarely even notice their grammar mistakes. But when I make a grammar or pronunciation mistake, it's like I'm the last chicken wing at the end of season dinner for the Alabama offensive lineman. Back off, people. You can't be on all the time. And I'm going to make a few grammar and pronunciation mistakes, okay? A grammar what now? Are Alabama's players getting their rings sized already? <laughs> Speaking of the Alabama, will Tua Tagovailoa not win the Heisman because of the LeBron effect? We just expect amazing things to happen every week, so when he does amazing things, we are underwhelmed by it, right? Ant-Man is awesome. I'm going to start putting quantum in front of everything so I sound way smarter. Hey Anthony, did you see that quantum screen package the Chiefs put in this week? Hey, sweetheart, I have a quantum tutoring session with some 7th graders after school today. Right? Makes me sound so much smarter. Thank you, Ant-Man. Ray Bradbury is a friggin' genius. If you don't know who Ray Bradbury is, look him up, read his books. Genius. I discovered that (laughs) pork rinds are what you get when a pig has a baby with a corn puff. And it's amazing. Anthony, you bought some, right? You bought some pork rinds, didn't you? Yeah. Where are they? kitchen. Okay, I'll be right back. That's David's hot take minute. David's still gone. I'm back and I brought you a pork rind. Thank you. They really are good. I mean, seriously, it's like bacon and golden puff cereal had a baby. Puffy bacon, it's amazing. So crunchy. That's really good. 
Anytime you want to talk about sports, go ahead. I have a pork gun in my mouth. No. So the NBA season's going on. Mm. It's hard to keep up on everything because... There are a million games every night. There's a million games every night, and it's so early in the season that it's hard to know who's good. Like, especially this season, I have no idea which teams are good. There's so many, like, middle-of-the-pack teams. Right, and we, of course we know the Warriors are good. Of course we know the Celtics are good. But the Milwaukee are Bucks... They? They're, oh. like, 6-4. and four. Yeah. Well, and the Milwaukee Bucks are 9-1. and one. The Toronto Raptors are 10-1. and one. Right? It's just crazy. The Denver Nuggets have beaten the Warriors and the Jazz. And a lot of people have said that the Jazz have the best defense in the NBA. And they have a couple of really good, young, talented players. Spider Mitchell, right? Donovan Mitchell, they call him Spider-Man. And like you said, it's just hard to know who's good. But I think we do know the Warriors are going to win the championship again. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah, because this is, you know, regular season Warriors is about 70% of playoff Warriors. And uh, here's a hot take. You ready? Mm -hmm. The Warriors will not only win the championship, DeMarcus Cousins will also win a championship. Whoa. Whoa. Do you think... So I think at this point, they need to challenge themselves to have... That was stupid. Even on my standards. I'm sorry. I apologize publicly for that. They need to challenge themselves to to go undefeated in the playoffs. Right? I I don't think any team has ever done that. I think the the Lakers, one of the Kobe Shaq Laker teams, went 15-1. and That was when they still had um, best of five in the first round. Um, So you only needed to win 15. And the the one game they lost was in the NBA Finals to uh, Allen Iverson's 76ers. I remember that. They, the 76ers won the first game, and then the Lakers won the next four. So, um, but yeah, I think I think that's the best postseason record so far. So, or did the yeah right? The Warriors haven't ever gone 16 and one, have they? No. In fact, one of the years uh, the Thunder took them to seven. Remember that the Thunder collapsed. That's when they had Durant and Westbrook and Harden. Right. And uh, the the Thunder should have won that series. But yeah, and then of course the the Cavs, I think they swept them in four this last year in the finals, but they struggled to get there with Houston. And Houston had that epic collapse. So yeah, the Warriors have never gone undefeated through the playoffs. But if if Boogie Cousins comes back healthy, they might have a chance to do that because I don't see a team in the East or the West that could compete with them if they're playing the way they're supposed to. I mean, their their second best shooter, not their second best player, but their second best shooter just broke the record for the most uh, three-pointers in an NBA game. Well, yeah. The, and the person who had the record before is the best shooter on their team, Steph Curry. Yeah. I know. It's, it's just crazy. I, it's, it, I, we've never seen this before in the NBA. You know what's funny is is uh, several years ago, Mark Jackson said that Klay Thompson and Steph Curry were the greatest backcourt of all time, and everyone laughed. And, and, and now he's in a, he's in a, now, uh, sorry, he's in a, he's an, <clears throat> he's an, oh no, <laughs> he's an analyst. I, see what I told you about being an English teacher? Mm. Everyone's going to jump all over that and make fun of me for that. All the four people that listen. Yeah. And hey, email us about that. Okay. Anything. And please. Okay. Now he's an analyst for ESPN. He doesn't even coach anymore. But he was so right about that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor this NBA season. But what about Stockton and Hornacek? Ah, what? That's a good backcourt. Yeah. Are Steph and Clay better than them? I mean, is anyone any backcourt better than Fisher Bryant? Yeah, a lot of them. Fisher Bryant. I mean, that's that's up there. Sounds like a law firm. I wouldn't want to go to. 
basketball doesn't get super interesting until about Christmas, in my opinion, and really doesn't get that interesting until like after the All Star break. Uh, it's just such a long season. It's an unnecessarily long season, but it's, you know, it's 82 games. So let's wait until we're like 40, 50 games in and we'll know by then which are the good teams. If you want to have a good time watching the NBA, look for interpersonal relationship type stuff between players like Blake, uh, Blake Griffin. I almost said Blake Bortles. I've been watching The Good Place a lot. Bortles! (laughs) But I've been watching. So Blake Griffin and... Uh, ben Simmons apparently are both going after a Kardashian or something, oh, no. and so they were beefing and stuff. And they were like, "Isn't that like a curse, an athlete curse?" Uh, yes, yeah. I don't know. Just stay away from that situation. I think that's a curse for humanity. That's like replace the Madden cover curse, right? No, I think the Kardashians are a curse on humanity, not just on NBA players. Oh, David, okay? do you know them? I, I keep up with them, and I don't. No, do I don't. You, I'm just kidding. You I keep don't. up with the I Kardashians. I keep up with the joke. I do not keep up with the Kardashians, but okay. but also you have the Rondo Chris Paul fight. I mean, there's so many interesting things going on. The Andre Drummond, Joel Embiid. Like, I alluded to that earlier in the show, but Joel Embiid said he owns a lot of real estate in Andre Drummond's head because he put up 30 and, like, 20 rebounds on him. And Andre Drummond had, like, eight points and, like, four rebounds. It was crazy. And Andre Drummond was talking a lot of trash against Embiid before the game, and he just went off on him. And so... The NBA at this time of the year is fun for that kind of stuff. Those interpersonal feuds and those little battles that are going on. And also to watch how bad Melo can make a really good team. <laughs> and also the uh, Jordan Clarkson tattoo tracker. He went to the he went to the Cavs. Clean body, no tattoo. Maybe maybe a few. I didn't notice any. And uh, you look at a picture from when he played with the Lakers. Five games in. No, like one game in with the Cavs. He had, he had one training camp with J.R. Smith. And he's tatted from like chin to toe so let's some if you're a friend friend of jordan clarkson reach out tell him take it easy it's a long season also tell him to do everything he can to leave the Cavs organization yeah it's headed nowhere good fast uh lebron leaves garbage in his wake he will trash, he will give you a championship, and then he will leave a dumpster fire in his wake. Like, you know all the jerseys they burn? That's, yeah, he just takes every every player and every coach, throws them in a dumpster, lights it on fire, and he's like, okay, you're welcome, everyone. I'm going to the most beautiful city in America, Los Angeles. I am going to enjoy the weather here. I'll see you later. He's like modern-day Attila the Hun. Just, like, going from city to city... Like, after his victory, just leaving desolation in his wake. Just sowing salt in the fields, burning all the towns to the ground. Oh, yeah. Modern-day Genghis Khan. We should stop calling him the king and call him the Khan. Oh. I sense that you agree with me on this. Oh. Khan! I can't believe we went with that. I'm just kidding. I can Can you please stop? I cannot. Hey, David, are you uh, looking for some extra cash? I'm a teacher, yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, this restaurant, I think it's, a, yeah, Fort Worth restaurant. So right in your neck of the woods again. Uh, it's looking for a, uh, a pup turn, uh, paying $100 an hour for a pup turn. $100 an hour? For a pup turn. All right, so this is a, uh, it's like a gimmicky uh cantina cafe place it's called mutt's canine cantina and they're looking for uh 
a puppy petting expert to make $100 an hour cuddling with canines. Uh, apparently, all you need is superior puppy petting skills. I got that. <laughs> and uh, to apply to this job? For $100 an hour, there's a lot of skills I can learn real quick. So you apply to this job on Instagram. Oh, okay. Maybe strike one. <laughs> and you you uh, you tag at uh, Mutz Cantina with uh, photos or videos of you uh, showing off your puppy petting skills. So... I'm not convinced they're actually going to hire anyone. <laughs> I think this is just a huge marketing ploy. It's working. It's working. Um, but creativity is encouraged, they say, and they want you to tell them why you're the best uh, fit for the position. Oh, creativity. Like, dogs have been around for a long time, and they've been around humans for a long time. Are there different ways to pet a puppy that I am unaware of? Mm. Like, why do there need to be creativity? The job posting at least what it sounds like is you sit around and you pet and cuddle puppies maybe you can hold two dogs by the belly one in each hand and pet like rub them together <laughs> their backs together <laughs> I don't know. like you get a little weird with it not too weird but like weird creative right um so anyways i don't know about you but i gotta i gotta get my instagram post ready i gotta find some first i gotta find some puppies so i'm gonna canvas my neighborhood there's usually a lot of people walking their dogs so you're gonna be a grown man you're gonna walk around and say may i pet your puppy and record it exactly hundred dollars an hour woof